conversations about yesterday's animation animations. Saturday morning cartoon fair. Days past Toontown. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nickelodeon. Thundercats. Ghostbusters. Transformers. DuckTales. Days. Days. Days past Toontown. That's not a particularly deep show. So you will like us. Welcome to the Days Past Tooncast. My name is Will. My name is Travis. And on this podcast, we have adult conversations about yesterday's animations. And we are still counting up uh-huh. to that big one. Oh, oh man. Oh, 100th episode. Every episode, we are covering a cartoon that we have never even. It's never touched our tongues. It's never... It's new ground. It's new ground that we're breaking with jackhammers every episode until the 100th episode. Yeah, we're putting our, our Days Past Tooncast flag on those episodes. We are great conquistadors yes. of the Toonlands, <laughs> and history will not smile kindly on us. No, but sir. right now, it's going to be king. <laughs> <laughs> and so today, we arrive at a cartoon that I honestly never knew if we would ever cover. Right. Uh, I have, I have a complicated relationship with this cartoon. <laughs> you don't say. I, I do say, and I've said before on the show. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it more. It's not about me though. It's about covering new tune ground. It's about covering the biggest, the best, the brightest, the weirdest, the shittiest, the actually funny. Uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. You and me can fight it out <laughs> okay, in a bit. Okay. But of course, we are talking about a show that. Feature, it's a, here's the thing. Here's yeah. the setup. Okay. What if I pitch this to you? Okay, pitch to me. Got an idea for a cartoon. Okay. All right. Close your eyes and imagine closed. a cartoon variety show featuring three escaped prisoners that are children. <laughs> we are talking about Animaniacs. It's time for Animaniacs. And we're saying it to the max. So just sit back and relax. You'll let me relax. We're the version of the song that was the theme song, everyone knows the theme song. If you grew up in the 90s, it's too many people know it. Right. <laughs> I wish a few people would forget it. Uh. <laughs> but the version burned into my brain is the version that was only on for a few years, which is where at some point they cut to just because they're trying to rhyme with axe, you know, mm-hmm. axe. Killed him with an axe. That's that would have worked. Yeah. But instead they went with, well, Clinton placed this axe. Well, Clinton placed this axe. And they show you the then president, Bill Clinton, playing said sax. His sax, which was just uh-huh. a, I, if you're not aware of the 90s, that's the thing that we had was that our president elect, while getting elected, would he played the sax in Arsenio Hall uh-huh. to prove, ooh, 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 yeah, to prove that he was a, a worthy white person, I guess, is, is his thinking. Black, yeah. yeah. He's from Arkansas. Uh-huh. Yeah. He had a lot of work to do. <laughs> but that's the kind of socially aware pop culture referring humor that you can expect from this WB Spielberg joint. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the same people that brought you Tiny Toon Adventures. Yep. WB owns everything that's not Disney just about at this point. DC Universe, uh, I think AOL. And uh-huh. Ti- it's not, it used to be AOL Time Warner, but that's kind of like, <laughs> you don't mention AOL now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you can't, right. <laughs> they said, let's forget about that. <laughs> and then the man that brought you Jaws. Mm-hmm. And E.T. E.T. Yep. And A.I. Mm-hmm. Did he do any other just uh, acronyms? Uh, 
they said, we want to do another WB-style, Looney Tunes-style show. Uh, we're killing it right now. Yeah, they. I'm sure the, you know, the ratings were off the charts for TTA. Right. <laughs> Tiny Toon Adventures. <laughs> and also, I guess if Spielberg shows up and says, like, I'd kind of like to make a cartoon, you just say, yes, sir. W- whatever you want, sir. Yeah, and they did. And so Animaniacs was born. Uh, I will say, and I'm going to try to leave it at this for the time being, that I do not like this cartoon. Just sharp like that. I okay. just don't like the cartoon. I don't. I didn't like it a lot as a kid. Uh-huh. And my my feelings now are not different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, I, my memories of it being not good or or not to my liking, I should say, because it's not bad. It's a good cartoon. Uh-huh. I'll admit yeah. this, but I don't like it. Travis, you watched it growing up, yes? Yes, I did, and I actually liked this cartoon. So you remember watching it and enjoying mm-hmm. it? It was a fan favorite of Travis. Yep. What did mm-hmm. you like as you were watching it? Um, the sarcasm and the fact that they had celebrities on there. You know, they, they, they would cover pop culture in it. And, uh, man, I was raised by the television, so this is right up my alley. That very much is in the vein of the old Looney Tunes where you would see Clark Gable or right. Humphrey Bogart. And then we didn't know who the hell those people uh-huh. were, but we sure enjoyed the cartoon anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, despite me not liking it, it managed to last 99 episodes. Imagine that. <laughs> over. I know. How did they? <laughs> I didn't write any letters or anything. I, that's my. That's on me. I failed to act. 99 episodes over five seasons from 1993 to 1998. And in that time, they even survived a Fox network to WB transplant in 1995. I was there. You were there, too. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're about the same age. Uh-huh. For the birth of WB, and it was the same channel, Channel 9 went from being a Fox affiliate to mm-hmm. WB. Yeah. And the frogs started appearing and singing. It was just a new age of subpar programming a deal made on a golf course somewhere um changed our (laughs) (laughs) maybe a poker a poker room somewhere yeah oh man i would love to hear that that's the story that comes out that it's just like i ran out of daughters to bet and so i (laughs) i bet the entire channel (laughs) he went daughters first (laughs) he probably ran through a bunch of shit before that Baby, tell me, have you heard about the stuff they got on WB? Because everybody knows that WB's the place to go to entertain your family. Yeah, yeah. Have a good explain, got the sisters and the ways on them. It's actually coming back this year with two new seasons being produced in 2020. Hell yeah. Yeah. So maybe you're like, I, you're like I still loathe it. I but. should have. I should get on the letter writing. <laughs> we have computers now. I can email them. You probably wrote the letters. You just didn't send them out. Maybe I give them to my mom and I'm like, yeah, send these. It's super important. And then she's like, yeah, sure. Put them with the Santa Claus ones, mom. You know, Shakespeare said to be or not to be. I say dubba, dubba, WB. I like the idea of the origin of the frontline characters of this show. Right. The Warners, the Warner siblings. There are three. Yakko. Yakko. Wacko. Wacko. And their cute sister. Allegedly. Yeah. Dot. <laughs> Self-proclaimed <laughs> right. cute sister, yeah. Dot. Yeah. I mean, and they tell you this in the first episode. They give you like this black and white uh, news from the stars. Uh-huh. It's a newsreel. Dateline Hollywood 1930. The Warner Brothers Studio. Here at the studio's new animation department, the artists toiled endlessly to come up with cartoon stars, ultimately creating the Warner Brothers and their sister, Dot. Unfortunately, the Warner kids were totally out of control until their capture. The Warner's films were locked away in the studio vault, never to be released. As for the Warners themselves, they were locked away in the studio water tower, also never to be released. And they're... 
They should have stayed. But in the 1990s, they busted out and made these cartoons. I think that's a cool way to set that up where you connect it to like, here's the secret history of the Looney Tunes almost. Uh Yeah, they're too dangerous. for It's like too hot for TV. Right. Looney Tunes style. (laughs) So who are these animaniacal jerks? (laughs) They are jerks. I, I don't know if you could argue against that. They're 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 assholes. Yeah, straight they up. Are. Completely. Straight yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Like willful assholes. Yeah. They're not on accident. They uh-huh. they are fucking with you. For sure. Leader of the group, Yakko. Yakko, it's time to take the ink blood test. Now, tell me, what does this remind you of? Girls. What does this remind you of? Girls. What does this remind you of? <laughs> girls you are obsessed with girls hey you're the one showing me all the sexy pictures he's a fast talker yep shirtless wonder with pants <laughs> that's right he has this he has khaki slacks that are just belted like cinched off uh-huh like hard. like the 50s you know 50s well, i sport. think of it like they look like the pants are too big like he has been starving on a desert island for a while and he has to keep cinching the belt harder. <laughs> right yeah but yeah there's something about him just wearing those like i i wear my pants too low right i it seems uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable seeing him with just no shirt and high pants that's physically uncomfortable right. for me this is the wise ass of all wise asses, the know-it-all. He is uh, the kind of guy who is willing to get his fucking teeth knocked out to prove that his jokes sent you over the edge. Uh-huh. It's like you, He's like a troll. You're the one that lost control because I just bugged you until you murdered me. <laughs> but he is he is super horny. He I mean, there's a lot. This show is kind of horny. I mean, they've got a character named Hello Nurse that's walking around. That's just like a. Pamela Anderson stuffed hot, into a hot nurse. Yeah, like uh-huh. uh, like built in a factory hot. Like, just, like, like at any second she's gonna hit stage two and, and start dancing for everyone. <laughs> I think in stage two, like a, a level of hotness, like a new, a new oh, okay, yeah, we a new stratosphere right of hotness. Yeah, there we go. Yes. But I mean, he's they've got a lot of catchphrases on this show. One of them is "Hello, nurse," uh-huh. which I think people of our generation still might say that about about sexy things. Yeah, I say it all the time. You see a lot of sexy stuff in your line. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Out there on the sexy front lines. I associate that more with Yakko than any of them because he just seems like the one. He also seems like the oldest one. Uh So I feel like he is the one that is the most sexually mature and therefore ready to start Hello Nursing. Uh (laughs) Hello Nurse. And he is played by Rob Paulson. The Showed man, up on the, the show dog. many times. Mm-hmm. He is very good at what he does, most famously to you and me. This makes him royalty, this alone. He played Raphael on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon series. Uh-huh. We've also got Wacko. Mm. He, he's the weirdo yeah. of the three Backwards siblings. Hat, but we're in a shirt, no pants. <laughs> so between the two males, you could make a full outfit with could, no socks. You could be not nude uh-huh. between the two of them. <laughs> This guy, his voice is based on Ringo Starr, and he's played by Jess Harnell. I didn't get called in directly by Warner Brothers because nobody knew me over there, but they had all these characters laid on on the floor. They said, you can read five. Did some sort of crazy, you know, wacky voice, and then Miss Romano said to me, uh, why don't you try one like Elvis? I know you do impressions. So I tried it like Elvis, and then she said, what about like a Beatle voice? I just threw out like, you know, I was doing straight ahead, sort of like a John Lennon sort of thing, really, right? You know, I'm talking like this and it was great. And that's how I did the audition. But then they showed me this picture of him and I saw that he was like a little guy. So I just made his voice smaller, you know. Wacko's character is pretty much defined by two very 90s traits. Hungry is cool. Hungry. Yep. Yep. How would you describe the suspect? 
Really hungry. Hungry and, yeah. Very hungry <laughs> and uh, random. Oh, yeah. He's the one that will always ask a question, like, do you mean this? Do you mean cucumbers and mayonnaise? Like, just, like, that's supposed to be funny. <laughs> that, to me, is not funny. Like, there's got to be something. But I mean, randomness is funny on its own, but he, it seems calculated. Mm-hmm. What about this? And you're like, no, dude, you know you know what I'm talking about. Like you're, you're being willfully weird and obtuse right now. You know I need my heart medication. Yeah. Like why are you Don't. jacking around right now? Yeah, why'd you throw me like some picture you painted? <laughs> The best thing that Wacko does, Mm -hmm. and I don't blame the the voice actor. Everybody's super talented and good at what they do on the show. But the best thing that Wacko does, the one truly funny thing he does, doesn't even involve his main voice actor. Mm -hmm. It's the one time that he is voiced by somebody else is during a character bit called The Great Wackarati, where Wacko Uh goes on stage before a, a gathered audience, like in an amphitheater. Like where they would do Star Wars in the park, that kind of thing. Yeah. And he goes on stage like Pavarotti, and he's going to sing what seems like opera. And instead of... It's burpra. It's... <laughs> yes, said it. Ah, it's the burpra show. Uh-huh. <laughs> Starring burpra Winfrey. <laughs> instead of Jess Harnell singing some kind of funny opera, uh-huh. or supposedly funny opera, you get this. And what's wrong with that? You There's, hate her? I'm saying that's funny. Okay, okay, I am saying okay. that is very funny. That is that's the thing, is like the show wants to be clever uh-huh. and acts like being clever is funny. It's very smart, but often not funny to me. This you can't argue with. This is just funny. Body stuff, always uh-huh. funny. Yeah. And those burps are not performed by his main voice actor. They're performed by the wonderfully, I, the man I just, I love as a VO, Maurice LaMarche, mm, who has played, out. yeah, he's he's played, uh, he was on Captain Planet, as we've covered. He's all over Futurama. Uh-huh. Uh, he's just a, a super guy. He was, and amongst other things, uh, famously, I mean, he really got maybe his biggest role on yeah. this show with a segment entitled Pinky and the Brain mm. as the Brain which we will not be covering today because they are popular enough and uh, they got a spinoff on their own. They have their own limelight here at Days Past. Are you pondering what I'm pondering, Barry? Yes, Brian, it's time for more Animaniacs. I don't see why those Warner brats can't tease their own commercials. And of course, there is the Warner sister, Dot. Yes. Whose main thing is, that, and she's played by Tress McNeil, also all over The Simpsons. Huge uh, star. She plays Babs Bunny on... TTA got her start as a as a baby on the Smurfs. I mean, who hasn't? It's like you do the Smurfs. It's like oh, come on, everyone. <laughs> everyone's done the Smurfs. <laughs> old King Cole, old King Cole was a merry old soul, and a merry old soul was he. He called for his pipe and he called for his bowl, and he called information for numbers he could have easily looked up in the phone book. Thank you. But her main character trait is saying that she's cute. Yeah. Saying. That she's cute. Is she very cute compared to the other two Warner siblings? They all look if, the same. If you just slapped a skirt and a flower in their hair mm-hmm. on any of the other two, you could, they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. So, and it's very cute, has its limits. Like they're all reasonably cute, mm-hmm. but I, I don't abide by someone who just shows up and like does shit and then says, but I'm pretty, right? Yeah. I'm cute. It's like, yeah, I mean, my cats like get away with a lot, but I love them and it's uh. not just cuteness. Okay. And I don't love, Dot, she's not my kind of lady. Uh, 
And these are not my kind of people. Is she pantless or shirtless? Uh, she is shirtless. She is shirtless. Yeah. So between the three of them, they have enough clothing for one and a half people. Mm, interesting yeah. choice. That's not enough. <laughs> but the thing is, we don't even know what kind of animals they are. That's never defined. Right. That That is a funny thing because they're based on these old black and white cartoons of the 1930s that were specifically a lot of them came out of Warner Brothers, but there are other ones as well, where it's just these characters of indeterminate species right. that are black with a white face and a red nose mm-hmm. and probably will do something decidedly unwoke at some point or are just their very existence. Just very much unwoke uh, <laughs> because they look like they're in reverse blackface or right, something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. they look like Felix the Cat. Basically, it reminds me of Daffy Duck back when he was still Daffy, right? But and not jaded yet, <laughs> because you know there there came a point where Daffy and I like Daffy being a sarcastic jerk too, because uh-huh. he did it well. But I prefer Daffy, which I, I guess this was before medication, uh-huh. maybe where he was just like. <laughs> That he's, kind he's of an edge to him. Well, he an was just—he was untamed. He had not been put through the system yet, and had his his edges beveled down or whatever. Because, like, again, I I like him as a foil to Bugs. He, uh-huh. There's some great cartoons, but the best ones are him, black and white. Porky Pig discovers him, and he just bounces all around right the screen. I'm not crazy. I just don't give a darn. The DNA for even this cartoon, the fact that these characters came from supposedly the 1930s and they look like black and white characters did at that time, goes back to these two guys, Hugh Harmon and Rudolph Ising, Mm -hmm. who worked for Disney in the 20s and the 30s. And they created a character named Bosco, who I couldn't pick him out of a lineup of these old characters. Like Felix the Cat is the most standout one because he's a cat. Uh But otherwise, all these just literally like ink black characters with white faces that hang out and everything on the screen is dancing to whatever the music is. A bunch of brooms. Yeah, totally. Like, and it's, that's just what they are. But these two guys created Bosco, who was a big hit. Then a producer, Leon Scheisinger, wanted them to take Bosco, like these guys specifically and Bosco, to come over to WB and do his cartoon show, which was called Looney Tunes Mm -hmm. and later also Merry Melodies. Yeah. So he he headhunted these guys and their Bosco. Uh, (laughs) These cartoons, I do enjoy watching those particular ones. There's no dialogue. It's Uh just people smiling, winking, like raising their eyebrows a lot, looking at you. Everyone looks like they're working uh, a slow motion (laughs) jackhammer Uh or like a thing you use to blow up dynamite. Right, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. kind of dance, like the do, uh-huh. do, 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 the do. The, uh, the train, the train that that's powered by when you when you exactly. pump it, right? Yeah. yeah, guys, we all know <laughs> how how they danced. Yes. Okay, check this out: Looney Tunes from 1930, one of the very first ones, starring Bosco, sinking in the bathtub. Dancing bathtub. Uh huh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> the bathtub came to life. Oh man, you're right. I, I like this. This is so good. Just turn the sound off and put on some nine inch nails and just <laughs> just rock out. <laughs> so Bosco was one of the very first Looney Tunes officially, if not the very first Looney Tune. But I mean, he gets God no help love. you. He gets no love. He gets though. no love. And God help you if you were tr- to try to identify him as a species, <laughs> or if he was on the run, or he was missing, and you needed to describe him to somebody to be found in Toontown. There's a ton of guys at this time that they all have the little bowler hat and everything. He and said, God help you. God help you. <laughs> and him if he's on if he's missing. 
this is what the legacy that they were trying to tap into, both of these very old cartoons, but also, of course, their legacy of the Looney Tunes, which turned into Bugs Bunny. That's what they were shooting for. Rich Aarons, one of the directors, will tell you himself. You know, we really wanted to make them all special. I mean, the goal was to make these things like, you know, the modern Looney Tunes, to make them as, as, as good as Bugs Bunny, you know, which, you know, can't be done. But, you know, we tried. We originally were thinking right. the series was going to be like uh, the new Plucky Duck show. Right. Steven was pushing for that because he wanted a billboard name. So that's kind of why we tried some ducks. We didn't want to just do more Plucky. So when we went to Steven with this new variety show, and he picked out a bunch that he liked, and he liked the ducks. He said, but, you know, ducks are overdone. We got a lot of ducks. So we went back <laughs> to the studio uh, on the, Monday. The, the and market said, is okay, saturated with ducks. Uh, we got to come up with we something gotta, else. We put red noses on these ducks, and we changed their colors, and they did start evolving into the, the warm. I, I remember, too, that there was talk. Um, we had done a... I think uh, they were right I not to go with ducks. I've also heard that uh, part of the issue with making them ducks originally was going to be that it was too close to ducktails, oh. in their opinion, as far as optics go. Uh, so, yeah, they ended up with these Animaniacs that we are so familiar with. From the writer's perspective, uh, at least what they've said on camera, who knows what they're saying behind the scenes, <laughs> they said that they had tons of freedom as to what they got to do because, again, it's not, a, thankfully, a mm -hmm. show just about the Warners. They yeah. It was kind of a variety show. They could try out different bits and characters and everything, and they got to do a lot of parodies and they mm -hmm. got to kind of push the envelope a lot. I mean, the whole thing that they did with Hello Nurse, basically saying, I'm it's Schwing. It's Wayne's World Schwing, <laughs> but they're right, doing you're, it, you're it right. for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Liz Hulsman, another of the directors. One of the things I loved about Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain was that it was never written down to the audience. You know, we, we always assumed that the people watching it liked what we liked and laughed at what we laughed at. So we didn't patronize them and... Um, we didn't dumb them the show down so that the jokes were obvious and spelled out. We just kind of let let it all fly. And um, I think that, that that really is a key thing in entertainment that you don't do that. You know, we treated the audience as though they were one of us, which we feel like they are. I think that they were too in love. This is my opinion. Okay. For me, they were too in love with being clever and with uh, pushing the envelope instead of just being, you made me fall out of my seat laughing but maybe i'm maybe i'm too picky maybe i'm you uh, uh and maybe i'm not uh mature enough yeah. to appreciate what they were doing on this yeah. show you just weren't the audience and that's fun but i was the audience that's the thing i was exactly the kind of person they should have been shooting for i don't know it's not look the thing is i know it's a good show and i still hate it okay well that listen yes and, that's, and, that's mighty that's that's big of you. And more specifically, it's the Warners themselves that bother me the most. They don't make their characters very easy to like like or identify with. Yeah. Like when you take classic Bugs Bunny and classic Daffy Duck, Bugs was cool and sarcastic. Uh -huh. And Daffy, at least the original Daffy, was just like a wacko. Yeah. Not a wacko Warner, Ooh, but a, wack yeah. a true wacko. I need medication now. They, they, yeah, <laughs> Yes. You'll have to catch me to apply it. <laughs> And that's a two-man job. Like, those are two separate things, being the cool, sarcastic, like, uh, I'm actually giving you shit to your face and you don't even realize it. Right. And then also the, that's two people. That should be two people, not one <laughs> group of people doing both. But also, Bugs and Daffy and a lot of their old cartoons were like the underdogs. They were being hunted by a hunter uh. who was invading their space. Heavy stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. And they were responding to this persecution with this attitude of, like, I'm going to 
bust the balls of the man who's aiming a gun at me. And watch out, Doc. And then on the Daffy side, it's like, well, I'm just going to fly this freak flag, even though you're going to kill me. Like, it's just th- there was something elemental about that that made it feel like they were punching up. Hold your seats, folks. Here we go again. <laughs> I got to rewatch this Daffy. You, it's very deep. This dr- oh, dude, the Daffy is so good. I, I got to rewatch is, the Daffy. I can't, I can't suggest it highly enough. But this on this show. The characters, even though they're being chased around by this uh, security guard on the WB lot and that they were imprisoned, I I say keep them. They seem like they should be there. Mm -hmm. They don't seem like they were imprisoned wrongfully. And they never feel like they are punching up. It just feels like they're just a bunch of assholes. (laughs) Just a bunch of assholes. They woke up on the asshole side of the bed. Parody was the name of the game on the Warner's short that we watched yep. for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have watched three different segments from different episodes of the Animaniacs to cover some of the ground because there's just so many characters and so a many lot, things. A lot. Too many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, it, one was too many for me. Uh, but the Warner's starred in a particular short that came later in the Animaniacs run mm-hmm. called Acquaintances. And you'll you'll figure out why. This is a parody. <laughs> yeah. It opens uh, on Staten Island in yep. New York at the immigrant. I don't not even the office. It's just a man, you know, like 1900 style, like hitting passports uh-huh. or uh, immigrant papers on their way in. Everybody is a white European immigrant. <laughs> it is not today. <laughs> or maybe it is. But only white people and the Animaniacs are making it through. And I mean, this is all the setup they needed to do this. They said, we've immigrated now, which fine. We need some place to stay. And Yako says, wait a minute. I know some folks we can stay with. I didn't know you had friends in New York. Not exactly friends. They're more like acquaintances. He's referring to six people who are the car commercial version of the people from Friends. Yeah. The television show. Which in 1998, concurrent with this, was on its third season, so it had hit its stride as far as a popular show goes. We are then subjected to eight or ten minutes of them just torturing and terrorizing the six characters Uh from Friends. Uh, And... (laughs) And the various degrees of accuracy with which their characters are drawn. Horrible. Well, some are, I mean, you can, some of them you can definitely recognize. Uh Like Jennifer Aniston, her character looks like her, kind of pre the nose job, I guess. Matt LeBlanc is on point. (sighs) Pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Ross is to a offensive degree. They made his nose so big. It seems that they lost the reference material for Matthew Perry Uh, and Chandler. It's just like a black haired dude. And I I feel like they got his, I really like what they did with his jokes Uh because it was, could they be roasting the friends any harder? (laughs) Like that's where they're at. But he looks more like Christian Slater. Do you know, like, how so not welcome you are? This is so what'll we do. I mean, could this possibly be any more so what'll we do? And the roasting that's going on is basically, I mean, over and over again, is that these are uh, 30-somethings that don't do much with their lives, that they sit around talking. Drink coffee on drink the coffee, couch. Drink coffee. They don't do anything. Right. You guys do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not an inaccurate portrayal of a lot of what happens on Friends. Uh-huh. 
That's not wrong. That's also most sitcoms. So like you can take a lot of them to task. If that's what you want. But that nothing wrong with that. And I don't disagree, but it also feels like bitterness from the writers almost uh-huh. like because here's this show that's popular and it's in its third season. And, and, and the Animaniacs are the mouthpieces for these are a bunch of losers. Uh-huh. Uh, it just feels like, I don't know, sour grapes from like, I wish, you know, maybe some of them were submitting spec scripts or something to or friends. It, it only takes one. <laughs> what, yeah. what, one guy got shunned by friends yeah. and now and he's like, like, hey, guys, I got an idea. It's a bunch of guys trying to bust out of the cartoon writing like ghetto. It's uh-huh. like, I want to be on a, on an NBC sitcom. That's because that was must-see TV. Now, the real reason I wanted to watch this one, partly because it just seemed like, well, here's something I can latch on to. I know of these friends characters. Yeah. But I originally was looking for something that came at the end of it. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, they get kicked out of the apartment. I mean, up until that point, all they've done is make fun of these people, kick them out of their own apartment, yep. dance and be loud and annoying. And yeah. it's like and it's like nobody you asked them to stay there. Yeah. You asked to to come in and hang out. You're not a victim at all. They are the victims. Like right. they should be upset with you. So on your search for substance. Okay. Um, well, I don't. I didn't. No, didn't find any. No substance here. No. What I was looking for originally, what brought me to it, yeah. was at the end. Once they're kicked out, they're outside of a restaurant on a corner in New York, and they find some new friends to hang out with, some uh. new acquaintances. Travis, when you saw these people make their appearance at the end, did you know who they were? Yes. Yes, I knew. I just didn't because you haven't watched Seinfeld. You I told haven't. Me. Okay. I haven't. But it's enough in the pop culture uh-huh. that yes, you know. Sir. Okay. Yep. Well, because if you hear someone go, "What's the deal with the radio?" Because <laughs> <laughs> and they literally do that. What's the deal with these kids with the big red noses? They go into the famous cafe, yeah. the coffee shop of Seinfeld, and hang out with the Seinfeld crew, uh-huh. which I wish had been the whole thing. Because that's I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. I would much rather. I would love to see an entire Seinfeld episode from Seinfeld's point of view, where it's like, here's three cartoon characters that have invaded our lives. And how are we going to get rid of them? Like, because if I know one thing about Jerry Seinfeld, especially the character. Yeah. He hates pop ins when people show up unexpectedly. (laughs) And that's all the Animaniacs are. That's all the Warner Brothers, the Warner siblings are. Not not about anything else. All pop ins. She likes the pop in. I've told her how I hate the pop in. He likes the pop-in, too. It's pop-in now. I'm a big pop-in guy. Let's get away from the Warners. You're like, now. As far as possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, clear out. Code red. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, they're not the stars. They will throw to these other segments, mm-hmm. and there were a number of them, so we can't get to all of them today. If you have a favorite that we skipped write us but don't expect us to do anything about it because Travis is going to have to hold a gun to my head to get me to watch more of this. <laughs> For sure. we to uh, trick you. Yeah. Some of the ones that we're, are going to get short shrift today are Rita and Runt. Like Abbott and Costello, like Sonny and Cher, like Martin and Lewis, they're a perfect pair. Like Laurel and Harvey, like Fontaine and Lunt, they're perfectly mismatched. They're Rita and Runt. There was also Buttons and Mindy. And the one that got removed from the show for being too sexy, Minerva Mink, a anthropomorphized female mink Uh who was voice acted by Julie Brown. And I don't mean downtown Julie Brown. That's a different Julie Brown. (laughs) I had to look this up because I'm like, well, oh, so downtown Julie Brown? No. (laughs) Miss Julie Brown. No. 
who was a comedian and actor who was around at the same time as downtown Julie Brown. Oh, that's confusing. They're both Julie Browns. Just <laughs> one's uptown, one's downtown. Ju- <laughs> Julie Beige. Just throw in something, or I don't know, Jules <laughs> Brown. What's the deal with all these Julie What's Browns? The deal? I suppose I could wear something sleek and scandalous. Ooh, I'd like that. And I'll probably cuddle up close and cozy. Ooh. And whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Oh, yes, 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 yes. They had to pull it because the character and the whole bit is I'm a horny type lady. It's basically Jessica Rabbit <laughs> put into a mink. Yeah. And just she's just horny. I mean, and, and people are horny for her. And that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the plot. That's that's the bit. Every bit is based around this, which works, but uh, it's not really appropriate for the kids show. <laughs> she's just horny. She's she's just horny. Like, that's the pitch. You walk in. I don't know. Maybe it's like a day where Spielberg like, pops his head into the writer's room and it's just like, hey, you guys, uh, y'all, y'all got anything you're working on? We really need something to fill out this last five minutes. And then you're like, you haven't had your coffee yet. You're just like sitting there like, I don't know. Uh, somebody drew like this uh, horny mink over here. It's like, well, cool. Do you have any stories for it? She's horny. She's horny. That that was the A and B plot of the whole thing. He's like, all right, print it. That's, <laughs> that's, that's we got. pretty much what they did. And that's why it was pulled. The segments that are getting the spotlight today. <laughs> and they better get it now because yep. that spotlight is shrinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First amongst them is Good Feathers, which on paper, and I, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I'll just say up front, like, I'm not just going to shit on the whole thing. Okay. But on paper, I just thought this is a shoe in for DPTC. Yeah. Because it's gangsters, uh-huh. it's mobsters, wise guys. Like, hey, you know, we could be talking like this the whole time. Oh, hey. puzzle. You know? uh, yeah, just cover it all. Like, we'll just be uh-huh. slathering up and down. Um, and, and it's full of those kinds of voices because it is birds. It's basically a Scorsesean uh-huh. <laughs> take on the world of birds. Yep. A Scorsesean take on the world of birds. It's pigeons that are based on the main characters from Goodfellas. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a good feather. You see, if you were a good feather, you had it all. Like Bobby and Pesto. Those guys were my heroes. Hey, cool, I'm walking here. You're walking with me? Is that what you're doing? Are you walking with me? I don't see anybody else here. You got a Joe Pesci voice. You got a Ray Liotta voice that... It's funny because it also kind of sounds like a Christian Slater to me. Maybe I just have Christian Slater ear. the first time. uh... Yeah, it's just, I don't know. (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) And then another one that's Bobby De Niro. Right. Bob De Niro. Yeah. It doesn't sound as cool when you say Bob De Niro, does Uh, it? Yeah. (laughs) That you can call him that. I won't. And that that is just, these are shorts. You don't have to have much of a setup. The idea is that these are pigeons that... At least they act like wise guys. They don't ever say like what their racket is. Uh, There's not like bird crimes that they are. I guess they take shits on this statue. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know if that's I mean, they didn't do it in the cartoon we watched. But I don't know if that's like a hit. Right. To the, <laughs> it's like I'm I mean, gonna, they're horrible at getting food. That's OK. So <laughs> firstly, this cartoon is another reminder. Yeah. And further proof that if you see animals congregating anywhere consider contacting the authorities or just make some really loud noises and sudden movements to break it up because it's just not it's not good they shouldn't be conspiring 
don't let it happen to you. Yeah. But this is a congregation of pigeons. Uh, for birds, they have uh, like what a parliament of rooks, a flock. There's a flock of seagulls, which is also a band. <laughs> There's out, yeah. uh, murder of crows. Like they have yeah. these weird. Well, I don't know why we uh, we were bored enough, I guess, for a long time before TV to just come up with funny things to call birds. But for pigeons, I'm going to say it's a crew. Okay, because that's what this is. It's a crew of pigeons. Now, is it Squit? Is that the one? The guy's name that is the one that's the Ray Liotta character? I don't know. That's what I'm reading. I don't I, I know. Don't, they barely say his name in the thing. Sure, Squit. The basis of this cartoon is that he wants to join the Good Feathers crew. And be a wise guy. And be a wise guy. Yeah. Be a wise beak. What they set him off to do is you have to go get that bagel that somebody dropped in the middle of the street Randomly. for us. Yeah, <laughs> guy just pulls happened. Up, yeah. yeah, somebody basically delivers a, a bagel to the street for them. <laughs> Getting food for the bosses seems to be like 75% of what a recently made man or an associate of the mob does. Uh-huh. And it's very important because like, I don't want to be the one that goes and accidentally gets the boss a meatless burger. Uh-huh. I don't want to come back with that. Or anything cold. No, you're done. Oh, it's, for sure. Yeah, you're done, though. So that's like very important. But it seems like if you're going to get made then you have to burn a picture of Big Bird or like I, something something more ceremonial than just get me some bagel, which they do. They spend the whole, like a whole 10 minutes doing and putting themselves in harm's way because they all get involved once the Ray Liotta bird can't do it. Right. And then, of course, they, they don't do it. But it's they're so focused on this food, they are forgetting that there is a man down at the park right now who is just handing out food. And I don't know if it's like that's the soup line to them uh-huh. and they feel like they need to go and earn the bagel. Like that's that's how they feel good about themselves yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> but it is a classic Looney Tunes trope of there's food. We try to get it. We get hurt a lot trying to get it. <laughs> it, it just always happens. Uh-huh. I mean, and that, that's so many of those cartoons. I mean, I, I can't count them. They do everything they can to get this ba- the stale bagel. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's stale. Uh, that's and maybe that's better for them. Uh-huh. That's in the middle of the street. That's why it was thrown out. It was stale for sure. Yeah, and they keep getting hit by cars uh-huh. the whole time. Which in all of, I mean, I've been driving for uh, 20 years now, which is crazy to me. Trying to hit pigeons and it, <laughs> well, kid, kid. even if you try to hit them, they're very hard to hit. Oh, for like, sure. They, they avoid getting hit by cars. That is half of what they do. That's how they stay in shape. Oh, for sure. And so to, at the last minute, too. Yeah, it's always the last minute with these guys. But they they always get out. You always worry that you hit something, and then it's like, nah, pigeons are fine though. You don't got to worry about them. <laughs> like, is this something that is? I mean, I know that the the pigeon is the official bird of New York City uh. or whatever. <laughs> but is this happening that much? Or or are also people trampled them in this cartoon? Like uh-huh. that is another threat. Is people walking over pigeons? I've never gotten within five feet of a pigeon. Uh-huh. They don't let me. They they keep a a, a wide berth. <laughs> But the thing that almost fixes this for them is another Looney Tunes convention. It's going to pop up a little bit later, too, Mm -hmm. where you, no matter what you look like, and in this case, you look like a bird played by old Bob De Niro. (laughs) No matter what you look like, you put on a costume and you do something associated with that costume. And even if you just look like a pigeon in a cop hat with a whistle, which is what he is. Everybody in the world treats you like that's what you are. Uh-huh, yeah. It's like a weird like theater symbolic thing where it's like if I put on this mask, I am this. I am that. I'm yeah. selling it. And so he <laughs> just, like this pigeon just blows a whistle with a tiny little cop hat on and all the cars stop and respect his authority. Right. And 
I mean, I love I love that stuff because it is the the nonsense of it is uh, gold to me. <laughs> but he gets made at the end of it, the Ray Liotta pigeon, because they get to eat the bagel because the God pigeon. <laughs> who you can't I mean, you can't understand him. No, as they do. They speak God pigeon. <laughs> It was just a Martin, Martin, a Marlon Brando yeah. impression to the nth power. It's it's funny. This is as good as it gets, just about on Animaniacs. Uh, but I wasn't rolling in the in the aisles over what was happening. Right. I mean, even though like there's a Joe Pesci bird, pesto. That's yeah. a great name, pesto. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, I said you're tough. That's all. You're saying I'm an overdone piece of meat. Is that what you're saying? When am I? A plate of dry steak butt meat here to amuse you? He does the thing, the Pesci move. Uh-huh. It's the Pesci move, and that it's copyrighted. It's like a dance move that got copyrighted, where you ask the guy a bunch of questions over and over again. Same question. It's like, are you doing this? Are you saying this about me? Are you saying this about me? You look mad. You turn away uh-huh. as though you're going to walk away a with a rage. paces. Yep. And then you say, that's it! And then you tackle him. <laughs> and then yeah, and you just go nuts. Do the Joe Pesci dance. The final segment that we uh, we took in, Slappy Squirrel, in her first appearance, which is a cartoon called Slappy Goes Walnuts. <laughs> Slappy Squirrel is basically a Maxine birthday card. Yeah. She doesn't like Mondays. Right. She doesn't like anything or any day of the week, probably. And it's just that with buck teeth and a tail. She is like a, a, a woman in her 50s, but she's a squirrel. Uh-huh. And she used to be in Warner Brothers style cartoons as a young buck. Right. Now she's retired. She's in the golden years. The crankiest of creatures in the whole wide world. Our next cartoon features in a squirrel. Enough with the singing already. Slappy Squirrel is created and portrayed by Sherry Stoner, who was a writer and producer on the show. She also worked on Tiny Toon Adventures. Sherry Stoner was joking around with, I guess, another writer on the show. And Sherry had, as she had been on some sitcoms, often playing like a troubled youth. (laughs) And they were joking about how she would still be playing troubled youths when she was 50 and above. Utes. Utes. Joe Pesci. Yeah. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) My cousin Vinny. Yep. <laughs> no, she, you, yours or mine? Mine. Yours, okay. How she would still be portraying that type of character on into her her golden years. She pitched the character to Steven Spielberg and did an impression of what she, like, just trying to get an idea across. <laughs> regular as clockwork. <laughs> Wish everything was regular as clockwork. And Spielberg just said, well, you should do it. Why don't you play her? Which I, I feel like is a pretty cool moment. Hell yeah. Because when bro. you're pitching, you're pitching to Stevie and he's like, yeah, I want your idea. And guess what? You're the only one to do it, kid. You got this, baby. Yeah. So he, he's like, I just I just ate a really good meal. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm in a good mood. I feel good. Yeah. <laughs> it's that simple. Craft services were good today. So <laughs> I, we're all set. So <laughs> so that's who's playing her. And that's how it came about. Uh, Sherry Stoner, amongst other things, she was. This is a big thing for you tune heads out there. You Ooh. Disney tune heads. Yeah. She was the animation reference model for both Ariel, the mermaid in Little Mermaid and Belle in Beauty and the Beast. You don't say. Yes. Like and there's if you go online, you can find her doing stuff like playing with her hair a certain way and biting her lip and these types of things that are side by side with the animation that 
That doubles it. You're like, I bit my lip to kind of show you what that looks like. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why? Why would I do that? Will knows You're, what that looks like. We're on a podcast. No one can see. Stupid. I don't even notice it. Mm. It's... <laughs> <laughs> With that, so she's she's cemented herself as uh-huh. an important tune person, yeah. Sherry Stoner. So Slappy Squirrel hanging out in her really cool tree loft. Yeah, you said you. I would love to like live it, in that yeah. place. I, I like I like I like the idea of it. Never lived in a loft, but I like the idea. And living in a tree, come on. Yeah, best of both worlds. Slappy has a nephew mm-hmm. named Skippy, who yep. is just a little yippy Skippy guy. Cute little voice, adorable. Hi, what happened to your TV set? I don't know, Aunt Slappy. I think we should just go to the store and buy a bag of walnuts. And he is hyperactive specifically in this cartoon because Uh of a super sugary cereal that he was eating. (laughs) Slappy gives him shit about this. Major shit. One, this feels like a quintessentially 90s line of joking, making uh-huh. fun of how there's riboflavin in the cereal and yeah. shit like that. Like, it just feels like something, I don't know. Like I saw Too something. much yellow six. But she, her character is not somebody who would give a shit about what the, her nephew is eating and certainly not someone who would leave the house to go find food to then come home and cook him a better meal. For sure, yeah. She is too defeated. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sure, not even defeated. She has said, I've conquered life and there's nothing more for me. Uh Life is not that great now that I've conquered it. Eat whatever you want, kid. Yeah, who cares? Why why did you come over? Like, that was that's more like her character. Try smoking cigarettes. (laughs) Why don't you just try it? I mean, and the kid, I would say, Skippy, kids shouldn't be in this negative an environment for very long. It's not good for you unless you're for, unless you have to do it while the mom's working. Well, it's still not good for you. <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah, it's still not good then. That's just a must do. <laughs> like that much negativity can warp a kid. Like, yeah, um, what do you guys do when Skippy comes over? Because he always comes home and just goes to his room and sleeps for hours. <laughs> he won't come out, and I know he's sleeping enough. <laughs> he just comes home and punches the wall. But that is the plot. She says, the cereal you're eating is a bowl of shit. Uh-huh. I'm going to go find some walnuts because I don't have any at home, and we're, I'm going to make you something better. That's that's the thing. Strong storyline. Strong. Well, I would say it's another classic Looney Tune plot, yep. which is I'm going to go steal something, usually food, lots uh-huh. of food in Looney Tunes. I'm going to steal something from a location guarded by a dangerous animal. Uh-huh. So many times this has happened. I mean, that's all oh, Tom yeah. and Jerry. Oh, that's yeah, not Looney for Tunes, sure. but... The dangerous animal in this case is a pit bull named Doug the Dog. <laughs> Doug the Dog. I've I haven't met a lot of dogs in my life. Uh-uh. Uh, Doug Funny and maybe some other dude in my life that's actually <laughs> a real person. I've never imagined, let alone met, a threatening dog yeah. before. Like this is a killer attack dog. Like he is beating up a a mock up of. Slappy, Slappy squirrel yeah. like, that's hanging from the tree when we first see him. Uh, but Doug is not a threatening name, mm-hmm. and it's not a descriptive name. It's quite a bland, funny name. But they're going to go onto his property, or at least the property of his owners, mm. to take nuts from Their the tree. The yeah. walnuts from the tree. Mm-hmm. Okay. I realize that I'm old now watching this. Yes, we are Because old. this yes. dog has every right to protect his yard from... <laughs> She is not the victim here Uh, ever. Well, for starters, she never loses. She just terrorizes the dog. But the dog's not doing anything wrong. He's doing his job. He's doing what his his parents slash owners, whatever, enslavers, have (laughs) entrusted him with. I'm sorry, what was that? That's a PETA thing. I don't really believe that. He like this is a dog that lives here and squirrels and dogs. I mean, that's how they operate together. (laughs) But that this is just another situation where it's like, so here's I'm supposed to identify with the character. Slappy Squirrel, yeah. who 
in this explicitly turns down the opportunity to go get walnuts at the store because she doesn't want to have to stand in line. Privilege. Uh. Squirrel privilege is happening <laughs> right in front of our eyes. So I can't, I mean, I think Slappy's funny. I, I thought this was a decent cartoon, but that's not a likable character uh. in the least. <laughs> that it's like, ah, I could go to the store, but you know what? Instead, I'm going to harass this poor dog. Like, I'm on dog's side before a squirrel's side. I don't care what's happened. For sure. Yeah. I'm biased in that way. There's no life behind a squirrel's eyes. No, they're machines. None. They are. They're they're nature machines. Uh-huh. Squirrel's man's best friend? No, you don't hear that. No. no. They're nobody's friend. Uh-huh. They're not even friends with each other. <laughs> so she, it's another 10 minutes of just blowing the dog up. I mean, and at any point, because it's numerous times, she breaks in, fucks with the dog. The dog gets hurt. Dog like, dies four times. Yeah, yeah. They've probably been through a few dogs in the yeah. filming. <laughs> she could have just taken the walnuts, but she keeps coming back to torture this dog. Like This is the only thing that brings her joy in her life anymore. Uh-huh. Her her dwindling gray life that she's going to torture this poor dog that has some passion. Uh-huh. That's that's what she doesn't like about him. That's what yeah. it is. It's that he's passionate about something. Dog she's not. just loves its owners. Dogs period. are super passionate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things she resorts to is the the similar bit to the pigeon in the cop hat. Mm-hmm. The I put on a costume and suddenly you don't uh, know who I am. Uh-huh, right. Because right in front of his face, like if I if I put on a mask in front of you right now, yeah. you saw me without it and I put it on. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you would know that I'm not turning into Charlie Brown. Well, I don't know. Well, um, I, and we're not going to test it because okay. I don't have any Charlie Brown okay, memorabilia. Okay. <laughs> but she just she says, hold it. And then spins around and is suddenly somebody who's selling in Cheritos, which I don't, I don't know what those are. But <laughs> we speculated. We, we speculated, speculated it might be churros. Yeah. But in front of the dog, she changes into a costume, and then he's totally for it, uh-huh. which is true of dogs though, because if you have food, oh, sl- sleight of hand, man. You're yeah. Well, you're, the food. I think the food is just what sells a dog uh-huh. on anything. It's like if you like at any time someone's breaking into a place with dogs. Yeah. On TV. Dog treat. If you have a, a steak, uh-huh. it's over. Yeah. Override the programming. You're yeah. done. But that's just another Looney Tunes, you know, staple of like if I if you're after me, I can just like write the word police on my forehead and I'm probably fine. (laughs) (laughs) And another hallmark, actually a couple. I mean, this is this show knows who it works for. Uh WB. Yes, baby. We got another hallmark because at the end, the dog had set up a whole thing to blow up the squirrel. Doesn't work. He gets blown up by it. Uh, Who would have guessed? Yeah. And. As they're walking away, she's like, oh, I don't like these walnuts that I got. Some of these are rotten and throws them off to the side. And that sets off the explosion to yet again, kill Doug the dog. Uh-huh. That like the sort of thing where it's just like the accidental exploding yep. is an old Looney Tunes <laughs> standard. Because it's like they didn't even mean to. <laughs> I'm still killing. And at the end. Yeah. The the quintessential, uh, the weapon of the gods when it comes to WB. Oh, all day, every day. Anvil. Anvil. She drops an anvil on the head of the dog. This is animal cruelty. Uh-huh. Com- this is animal on animal violence. Right. Mammal on mammal. That's that's a shame. On today's episode. On today's episode is the segment in which we here at DPTC squeeze out the tune that we just watched until all the morality juice in it is squeezed out. Mm -hmm. No pulp. We're just looking for pure morals. Yes, sir. Sometimes they give them to us straight and sometimes you got to work for it. (laughs) In this case, Animaniacs actually has their own morality wheel. Wheel of morality. Wheel of morality. Turn, turn, turn. This is 
a segment that they would have on their show yeah. where they would pull out what looks like the Wheel of Fortune wheel, uh-huh. spin it, and then get a lesson. A, a, a little a little paper would print out. Yeah. It takes about <laughs> uh, three minutes, but uh-huh. it's making fun of the morality that, like, you know, the He-Man, that kind of thing, where yeah. it's like, uh, what, what did we learn on today's episode? Don't run across the street, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't ever run across the street. Ever. But it's also really there to just fill time when they're running short. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's so many things in TV. If you get an idea that they, oh, oh yeah, you know what? They played more of the theme song than usual. Ah, right. they were running short. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's time to learn the day's lesson. And to find out what it is, we turn to the Wheel of Morality. Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. Moral number two. And the moral of today's story is... If at first you don't succeed, blame it on your parents. Travis, uh, did you have any morals that you took from the Animaniacs today that you you took right out of their hot little hands? When you talk, Will, you got to talk with a purpose. You can't just you can't just throw out random things to say, "Hey, look at me, look at me." <laughs> you can't do that in life because people will hate you. Kids talk- do it, and the only reason we don't hate them, well, we do, but we don't it's tell because them because we own them. We we can't legally do anything about it. <laughs> So I'm sorry. Talk, yes. talk with a purpose. Yes. Talk with a purpose. Talk with a purpose. I 100% agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Don't just blab to blab, man. Don't blab to blab, man. Oh, man. Come on, man. Will, what'd you take away from this, this Animaniacs Day we had today? <sighs> there is a saying that applies here. It goes, uh, there are variations on it, but the basic idea is that being resentful is like drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. Carrying around a grudge really only hurts the carrier yeah. of the grudge. Yeah. Animaniacs came out 20 years ago. <laughs> and I've been carrying like this fiery ember nasty. of hate. Yeah, nasty. nasty. Uh-huh. Rotten. Right in, in the pit of my stomach. Here I am 20 plus years later. And I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. Animaniacs is being resurrected. It's not even dying. Mm-hmm. It is it is extra living. It never died. It never died. Yeah. So I guess the moral is that the the universe is a vengeful, shitty place, and it's not fair. <laughs> I don't want. It. I don't want it. <laughs> don't. I don't want it, guys. <laughs> Please. Thank all of you for tuning in and listening to the Days Past Tooncast today. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you sitting through the negativity <laughs> and the hyperactivity, <laughs> yes. hyperactive neg- negativity all that. on display here. If you would like to help us out, and I'm going to ask you to help us out, please go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and write us a written review. Helps us out immensely mm-hmm. and listen also check us out on our instagram and twitter at dp tunecast and listen if you like youtubery at all check us out because we did a little music video called x-men attack mm. x-men attack it's a parody it's a parody it's a mashup it's a music video mm-hmm. we took the theme from the x-men 1992 animated series and we mixed it in a bowl with sir mix a lot's baby got back you can find it on YouTube by searching for Days Past Tooncast, or you can just follow the link in the show notes. Uh, double up, uh, uh. The count up continues next time. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer and closer and closer yes, and closer. Are. Come back next time and find out what is the next tune that Will and Travis are going, going to, to watch to, on to, Days uh, Past Tooncast. Uh, 
Come back. Find yeah. out. <laughs> You'll find out. And until then, and, and on into eternity, mm-hmm. Tudor, my Duder. Tudor, my Duder, Will. What's the deal with lampshade? I mean, if it's a lamp, why do you want shade? Here's the show's namey. Here's the show's namey. Is that your show's namey? Here's my show's namey. Would you like to know the namey of my show? The bathtub is dancing. It's still in my head, bro. The bathtub is dancing. It's still in my head, bro. I know, it's so good, isn't it?